Cancel culture is real and goes against Christ's message of grace and truth. I'm Michael Rett, and this is Authentic Christianity. Good morning, everyone. It's Sunday morning. Uh, where I am might not be the morning where you are. I actually see on my uh, demographic list I have people that listen in Australia. Not many. It's like less than 2%. I had apparently someone from Sweden. All that stuff is very cool. Um, even though this is a very small podcast, you know, for now, who knows what will happen. I appreciate everyone listening very much. Uh, today, um, there's a lot for me to get to. And there's been talk about, obviously, cancel culture. I think the phrase cancel culture is definitely newer, but the terms of canceling people is not that new. And um, I have some evidence for that. Some of it anecdotal. So let me just get into it right now. I'm going to start with Drew Brees, um, the Hall of future Hall of Fame quarterback from the New Orleans Saints. So back, um, I guess it was last month now, uh, Drew Brees said, I will never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag of the United States or our country. He sent this out on Twitter. I'm really finding out that Twitter is the most awful place in the world. Uh, the more and more you read it, it's at least in Instagram. And I think in Facebook, people post positive things. Um, even if it's, you know, the millionth photo of, you know, their baby looking cute, at least it's something positive. Um, Twitter, it's just full of negativity. I've gotten caught up in it a little bit. I do have a Twitter, Michael Rett one. So Drew Brees says this, he's obviously talking about uh, the kneeling that uh, NFL players have done and will probably still do this year um, during the national anthem. Something I would not I would not kneel for the national anthem personally. Um, it goes back now initially, I'll be honest, I did not think it was a protest against the military. I never did. It actually wasn't until President Trump said that that, um, he said it was against the military that I thought that I understand completely why people th would think that initially. I remember, um, the offensive lineman from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Villanueva, um, insured in Hispanic, um, man insured that he would stand and he had his hand over his heart. I remember the, the picture of it. He, um, he came outside the locker room. So the Steelers, they stayed inside. I forget what year this was. I think this was two years ago in 2018. He, the Steelers were all inside the locker room during the national anthem and Villanueva said, he's like, I can't do that. He was former military. So, uh, Drew Brees has, um, family in the military or at least had family in the military. And he said he would never, um, he would never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag by kneeling. So he got called out for that by, um, some of his players, um, players, some of his teammates, including Michael Thompson, um, the uh, all-pro receiver, who said, um, he don't know no better, we don't care if you don't agree, and whoever else, how about that? Um, Breeze actually even said it brings him to tears, the national anthem. Actually, it brings me to tears too, um, just because I know what our country is and has done despite our imperfections and our sin. 
we can celebrate our country and we can also work on changing the things that need changing. So after, you know, being called out, almost being canceled um, by some people, he went back to Twitter and he spoke to his friends. He spoke to his teammates. He spoke to Michael Thompson, some other his teammates, and he said, um, I would like to apologize to my friends and teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, NFL community, anyone I hurt with my comments and speaking with some of you. It breaks my heart to know the pain I have caused in an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity centered around the American flag and the national anthem. I made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on the issues we are facing right now as a country. They lacked awareness and any type of compassion or empathy. Instead, those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled people into believing I am somehow an enemy. This cannot be further from the truth and is not an accurate reflection of my heart or character. And he said he stands with the black community and systemic racism and um, a few other things. I don't agree with, I, I wouldn't have said it exactly the way Drew Brees said it, but who am I? You know, Drew Brees is an adult and you can say he can apologize how he felt he needed to apologize. Now, Drew Brees has done so much for the city of New Orleans and that seemed to get missed in some in, in some of all this. Two things can be true at once. Drew Brees can have said this and you didn't like it, but can also have done a lot of things you do like. Drew Brees is also a Christian. He said it's not a reflection of his heart or character. That's why I think he apologized. You know, there's that verse in the Bible that says, if you go to offer your gift at the altar, um, you realize your brother has something against you. Go make peace with your brother. I'm paraphrasing. And so you can give your off, you know, and then go back and give your offering. So I think that's what Breeze was doing here. That's how I took it. So again, not like Drew Breeze needs my, you know, me giving him a pass or anything, but that's why I kind of, a lot of people don't like when, you know, cancel culture dictates, you get called out for doing something someone else disagrees with or doesn't like, even if it's a relatively benign or you didn't have any ill intent and you apologize and people, why are you apologizing? There's some truth to that depending on the situation. But Drew Brees, I think, wanted to be unified with his teammate. And actually in this post on, on his Instagram, um, there's a picture of a black hand and a white hand kind of clasping together in unity. And I think that's what he wanted. Um, and again, knowing he's a Christian, do we sometimes apologize for things we don't think we did anything wrong? I know we do. Um I've had to do it. I'm sure many of you have had to do it. Sometimes we have to swallow our pride. And we do it to keep the peace. And you know what? That's okay sometimes. I don't think Drew Brees should have been canceled. There was a lot of haters on Drew Brees. I saw so one so, someone I knew was like, I was like, well, can't we look at you know all the charities done? It's like, no, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, Drew Brees should not be canceled because of this. And he wasn't really canceled, but it is all connected to cancel culture. Um a couple weeks ago, Deshaun Jackson, and I'm going to be consistent here because I also don't think Deshaun Jackson should have be canceled, which um, and that's kind of on the opposite side of it. Drew Brees kind of making, you know, more of maybe a right, making more of a, a right wing, I don't want to say, a conservative stance. Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, standing up for Black Lives Matter, which, which would be seen as more on the left. Um, so this is July. Um, I'm reading from an article in July. Um, 10th on Fox Sports 
Facebook.com. He was penalized for anti-Semitic comments um, by his team, the Philadelphia Eagles. He is a receiver for the Eagles. Um, he accepted the consequences to Sean Jackson, and he understands to remain on the team, he must also commit to supporting his words with actions. That's a quote from the Eagles. Um, I didn't see what he was penalized. Probably uh, He'll be getting a fine, and he'll donate to the Jewish community. So there's actually a really cool... He went on his Instagram, Deshaun Jackson, and there's a picture of him speaking to a 94-year-old Holocaust survivor, Mr. Edward Mossberg. And Deshaun Jackson said, Thank you, Mr. Mossberg, for your valuable time and insight today. I'm taking time to continue with educating myself and bridging the gap between different cultures, communities, and religions. Love to you all to be continued. So... You see um, in the photo, there's Deshaun Jackson on the bottom and Mr. Mossberg on the top. And I can't, he might actually be wearing, I'm not sure if he has something that's, it maybe has like a Holocaust number on it. I'm, I'm not sure. He might just be wearing a jacket. It looks like he might, I'm not sure. Um, what Deshaun Jackson had said is he, he quoted something on his Instagram which was falsely attributed to Hitler, which said the Jews will blackmail America, distort America, extort America. Their plan for world domination won't work if the Negroes know who they were. Um, and a lot of people called him out on it, and some people supported him for it. There is this belief, some a lot of anti-Semitism. And remember, across the entire world, Jews are the most not are the most. Um, like prejudiced against they receive like the most threats across the entire world in america jews and african-americans are very close in terms of the amount of like hate crimes that are received um so one of the reasons is there are some people who believe that that jews have this plan for world domination that's that's one of the um, reasons for anti-semitism and i guess that's where hitler was from as well so um shack can apologize he educate he's going to educate himself he says just like Jubrees did, I think both of these are good things. We learn through the mistakes we make. My gosh, you look at like Saul, who's one of the who became Paul, one of the worst people in the Bible until his conversion to Christianity. I mean, he was killing Christians, um, killing Christ followers, and then he converted to Christianity and you know, the worst of all sinners. You look at this: the people on the cross next to Jesus, the two men crucified next to him. One, I think it started a rebellion or, and, and he asked God to forgive him. You know, they, they only crucified you if you were like the worst of the worst. And this man was crucified next to Jesus and he asked for forgiveness and Jesus forgave him. We only learn through struggle and pain and mistakes. And Drew Brees and Deshaun Jackson, different sides of the political aisle, both made these mistakes, apologized and are educating themselves to become better people. And that's a positive thing and we should celebrate that. And I know I'm, I'm not the only one that thinks that we should celebrate this. So a former giant, uh, former offensive lineman, uh, Jeff Schwartz, he wasn't surprised by um, the lack of comments against Deshaun Jackson because there are not a lot of Jewish players in the NFL, he said, um, which is true. But he also said that, and he, and he also said he doesn't think Deshaun Jackson should be like suspended or like, you know, kicked off the team. Um, so you see... The media might always want to cancel everybody, but there are, I think, most of us in reality, in the public, who have smaller forums like this that we can speak on 
don't agree with that. Um, I think we, we're more forgiving and we should be more forgiving. So there's this notion that cancel culture doesn't exist, but um, let me move on now to, it was a letter on justice and open debate. This was published in Harper's, I'm reading from harpers.org, Harper's Magazine, by um, numerous writers, including J.K. Rowling, um, feminist Gloria Steinem signed on this, Noam Chomsky, academic leader. So people from all across, and this would be more liberal, because cancel culture, at least now, comes mostly from the liberal side. So this letter reads, that, that was written in Harper's Magazine, our cultural institutions are facing a moment of trial. Powerful protests for racial and social justice are leading to overdue demands for police reform, along with wider calls for greater equality and inclusion across our society, not least in higher education, journalism, philanthropy, and the arts. Okay. But this needed reckoning has also intensified a new set of moral attitudes and political commitments that weaken our norms of open debate and toleration of differences in favor of ideological conformity. And then it goes, they say they're applauding the first development and raising their voices against the second. And they call it forces of illiberalism. Um, they're saying the free exchange of ideas, information and ideas, the lifeblood of a liberal society, talking classical liberalism, is daily becoming more constricted. It, and this will ultimately harm our most, the most vital causes of our time. The restriction of debate, whether by a repressive government or an intolerant society, invariably hurts, hurts those who lack power and makes everyone less capable of participation, democratic participation. Again, liberals are doing cancel culture, and I'm going to get to the Christian part of this soon. And then liberals say we shouldn't be having this cancel culture and they get called out by other people. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying people who are actually canceled don't get their thoughts published and amplified in major outlets. People have said cancel culture does not exist, but it totally does. Um, now, this is not talking about canceling people as many like Harvey Weinstein, who went to jail for sexual harassment and abuse, which he should have, or, or Louis C.K., who um, abused women and harassed women. I don't know if he abused women. He definitely harassed women. Um, can everyone be forgiven? Of course. You look at who Jesus forgave. Everyone could be forgiven, the most awful of us. And that doesn't mean people shouldn't be called out. And so you get removed from society, canceled, if you go to prison for doing something like what Harvey Weinstein did no one in their right mind would disagree with that. What people are disagreeing about is canceling someone because you disagree with them. So um, Cortez, Congresswoman from Queens, says people who are canceled don't get their thoughts published or amplified in major outlets. Yeah, that's, that's true. And then she says people who are being canceled are more likely being challenged and held accountable. No, it's one thing to challenge somebody and to try and to hold someone accountable, but not to cancel them. People have lost businesses, um, their careers. People have been fired from you know their editorial jobs for a difference of opinion, and it's not the kind of difference of opinion that's like what a real racist or white supremacist would say, or 
if you're like, yeah, we have freedom of speech, but if you go and say, I'm going to go kill this person, like, yeah, you'll lose your rights if you're, you know, if you're going to say something like that. Even, even Alex Jones, the, the far right winger who thought that Sandy Hook was, um, a conspiracy and like an act and that there were children actors, you know, even he has the right to say what he said, you know, you just ignore him. You don't like what someone says. You don't you can stop listening to them. Um, so there was an article I actually read this morning on religionnews.com. And the title of this is evangelicals perfected cancel culture. Now it's coming for them. So it mentions uh, Chris Hodges, who's a senior pastor of Church in the Highlands in Alabama, who liked several tweets, um, or several posts, um, by Charlie Kirk. Um, they say Charlie Kirk's controversial. I don't think he's controversial. He's pro-Trump. Um, so the fact that he, and the posts apparently, I haven't read the posts, were considered racially insensitive. Um questioning whether white privilege actually exists. Now, I think we are too sensitive as a society all around, um, whether we're white, black, Hispanic, doesn't matter, Asian, uh, East Asian, um, and even those labels, you know, um, we call each other, we say, you know, they're Asian, that person looks Asian. And I'm like, well, yeah, what part of Asia are you talking about? Because <laughs> most of Russia is in Asia. India is in Asia. Asia is huge. And yet, you know, we have this, the way we label people. It's so, it's always been very strange to me. Um, so he liked a couple um, posts, and because of that, the church can no longer um, use the schools. They're using some public schools to have their uh, church meetings in. They can no longer use that. So they've been, quote, canceled. Um, the article goes on to say that Christians have been canceling people for a long time. Going back to the 60s, they would cancel um Liberal politicians, social justice activists, feminist professors, abortion rights advocates, secularists, pornographers, humanists, atheists, Hollywood moguls, civil rights leaders, working moms, and stay-at-home dads. I don't know how much of this is true. Um, 80s and 90s, church youth groups coordinated book burnings and music bonfires to purge a world of evil art. Um, they would attack, uh, they boycotted, they would boycott Walt Disney. Um, everyone, you know, a lot of people have been boycotting. It's not that not like Christians have, have cornered the market on boycotting. Um, they, they boycotted Rob Bell, who, oh my gosh, Rob Bell. And it's not even because he questioned whether all people go to hell. I just think his art is, I just think his approach was just, oh, I just think he was awful at what he did. So have Christians also engaged in this element of cancel culture? Maybe not the way that we're seeing it today, but I think, yes, if cancel culture, if you find out, you know, I know plenty of stories, including a story from my wife who went to a Christian high school, a girl got pregnant and the girl was, I don't think ever heard from again, you know, they kind of quote sent her away. And they talked about this in the movie saved, which came out, um, maybe like 18 years ago. Um, is that right that they sent, you know, maybe when she gets closer to her due date, obviously she may need more medical care, but no, when someone makes a mistake and sins, you surround them with love. You know, you try to get someone to obviously repent from their sin. You know, you go to them as the Bible says, but you don't just kick them out or cancel them. You think Jesus doesn't love the LGBTQ community? Of course he does. 
Of course he does. You think Jesus doesn't love, you know, evangelical Christians, which are mostly conservative? You think he doesn't love liberals? Of course he does. Liberals, Christians, do you think he doesn't love conservative Christians? People who disagree with you, even on such hot-button topics like abortion and gay marriage. Jesus loves us exactly as we are and accepts each of us as we are. Even President Obama acknowledged at a, um, a summit in 2019, he said, the idea of purity and you're never compromised, you're always politically woke and all that stuff, you should get over that quickly. The world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do good stuff have flaws. Yes. People who do good stuff have flaws. Even if you disagree with what good stuff might be, and you think it's bad stuff, we shouldn't be canceling people because Jesus would not... Would Jesus cancel anyone? No. I don't think so because I think Jesus would say... Sometimes Jesus says, okay, you don't want nothing. You don't want anything to do with me. Okay, that's fine. But Jesus doesn't turn his back. We turn our back on him. You say, Jesus, I've lived the most immoral life ever. And now I'm coming to you. Jesus says, come to me. Welcome. I, I love you and I accept you. Accept me as your Lord and Savior. Then we will work on your heart. You don't come to Jesus changed. Hold on, let me restate that. You don't change and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and then change. I think a lot of Christians misunderstand that too. You know, well, we'll let you come to our church once you clean this part, even up in your life. No, come to our church. Even people who, you know, some churches should let new members who maybe aren't perfect or maybe not even Christians volunteer. Well, yeah, maybe they don't volunteer in certain areas. You know, maybe they're not singing the worship songs. Come and volunteer and help us. And through the, our relationships that we form with you, you'll see more of Christ in us. So the biggest thing I want to come up, which kind of inspired me to do this um, this episode of the podcast, um, was the issues now of boycotting Goya Foods. I had the pleasure of meeting, and I don't even remember. It wasn't even meeting. I was invited to their house for a fundraiser long time, at least 15 years ago now, um, one of the, um, I don't know if it was the CEO's home of Goya Foods, uh, beautiful home, of course. I don't remember exactly whose home it was, but they were a member of Goya Foods and it was a fundraiser. Um, Goya was founded in 1936. Um, Spanish immigrants who first went to Puerto Rico and they started on a small storefront in Lower Manhattan, 1936. And the CEO is now Bob Anunaway. And the Anunaways cater to local Hispanic families by distributing authentic Spanish products, including olives, olive oil, and sardines. The company boasts 26 facilities throughout the United States, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and Spain, and employs far thousand people worldwide. They've event, uh, let's see, I had, um, They've demonstrated the company's strength and brand power within the Hispanic market and its crossover into mainstream America. I really like their plantains. 
personally. So they've done a lot. They have done a lot, Goya has. Um, not just for the Hispanic, much for the Hispanic community, but they're also an example of how you can achieve so much here in America. So there are now calls to boycott Goya Foods after the CEO praised President Trump during an event. Another indication, the tightrope major U.S. companies must walk in the Trump era. This is from Forbes.com. So Anunaway said, we are all truly blessed to have a leader like President Trump. Now, this was at an event where Trump signed an executive order expanding the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative that directs taxpayer support for charter and private schools and boosts tax benefits for tax opportunity zones. So here's a little bit about, and people are being called to boycott Goya, Hispanics especially. There's a problem when you say, no, I'm going to make this across the board. All Hispanics should um, boycott Goya. Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, or no, if you vote for President Trump, you ain't black. Christians, I've heard evangelical Christians say, you should not go see this movie or you should vote Republican. I brought a movie because I remember specifically, I think it was James Dobson said, you shouldn't go see The Devil's Advocate, which came you know over two decades ago. Basically what you're saying when you say, if you're Christian, if you're Hispanic, if you're black, if you're white, you should or should not do this. Generally speaking, much more than generally speaking, and I'm not talking about like a, like a, like living your Christian life. I'm talking about like voting for someone or supporting a company. Generally speaking, and that's actually quite prejudiced or racist because you're saying all black people or white people or Christians or Hispanics have to think, act, vote the same way. We're so diverse. We're much more diverse than that. And, and we, we celebrate that. So even just, you know, the president, so President Trump has strong support among uh, people of Cuban and Venezuelan descent, though not of other descents. This one article from, um, I don't even know what website this is. It's a local paper. It's, oh, it's from the Associated Press. Other other Hispanics, um, this one person from, so also Salvadorians, um, do we already know about, uh, and do not support President Trump. So there's diversity there. We all know there's a lot of Christians. It's just look on social media who support and who do not support President Trump. We're much more diverse than that. And we shouldn't try to silence people or cancel people because of a difference of opinions. Goya has donated in 2019 10,000 pounds of food to Catholic Charities of New York. Okay. This year, to help people struggling through COVID, Goya donated over 200,000 pounds of food, which is equivalent to 170,000 meals and over 20,000 protective face masks across the nation. Two things can be true at once. You might not like that Goya supports President Trump or that another, another organization or person supports Joe Biden. But that organization or that person could do good things like Goya donating all this food. We're imperfect. We're complex. 
You can like one thing and not like another. Does that mean you should boycott? So let's say, for argument's sake, a bunch of people boycott Goya. I don't think this would happen, but let's say Goya goes out of business or has to downsize. Now they can't donate as much food. Who does that hurt? The people who are really in need. And who did Jesus say we should help? Less than the, well, how did, um, the widow, the orphan, the alien in your community. The people that are really in need. That's who that hurts. All our posturing, thinking we're better than others because we post something on social media. So I don't think Jesus would cancel anyone. Let me bring this home with scripture. So in John 1, I'm reading from the ESV version. It says, this is 14, starting in verse 14. Is this the right? Yes. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I move to Ephesians 4, verse 14. It's discussing how we um, try to become more Christ-like. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful seams. That's a lesson for us all. Let me look at that again. To and fro. So you want to become more Christ-like so that we're like adults, not like children. Children much more easily swayed. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Cancel culture doesn't do that. I think the issues with Deshaun Jackson and Drew Brees, there was a lot of love. There was some not love, but there was a lot of love. I think Jeff Schwartz, the giant lineman spoke the truth and was gracious and loving about it. Remember, Jesus is full of grace and truth. That you can speak the truth to someone, but not beat them over the head with it. And not have so grace with so much grace that you're just going to, it's okay, it's okay. No, you're going to be honest and, and open and authentic with them, transparent. Because that's how Jesus spoke with many people. The only people he was not like that with were the Pharisees, the real hypocrites who thought they were better than other people. And there are still Christians who think they're better than other people and come across with this arrogant attitude when you want nothing to do with them. But to most people, Jesus was very gracious and very honest. And that's how we need to, we need to emulate Christ more. So with this cancel culture that we're experiencing in our society today, I think each of us, um, those of you listening who are Christians, um, we need, and speaking on social media is tricky. Um, 
but we need to be willing to try to discuss things with people. And it's so, it's so awful because, you know, we, you see something, you're like, oh, even if you want to show grace on social media, it's, it's hard to, because sometimes you react so emotionally. Um, but something we should pray over and maybe just in our minds, you know, in our mindsets, just get ideas like, you know what, let me disagree with this person. Let me form a real relationship because that's how you also show people who Christ really is. And we want to show people that Christ is loving. Christ is challenging, of course, too. But Christians are not haters. We don't want to, Christians, there's this notion, and, and I've heard people preach on it that Christians are haters. Now, part of that, I, I do blame the media for it. You know, they only point out when Christians do awful things, if they even talk about Christians at all. But through our relationships, so no, Christians. We have truth, we stand up for truth, but we're loving and gracious. And that's that's how you show people who Christ really is. So thank you all for listening. Um, pray for me. Um, pray that um, this podcast continues more regularly and continue to stand up for what's right. I'm Michael Rett, and this is Authentic Christianity. Thank you all so much for joining and listening uh, to me today. Look forward to speaking to you again soon. I'm Michael Rett, and this is Authentic Christianity.